Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Islanders Award Winners, a monthly podcast examining the seasons in which a New York Islander took home a major NHL award. I'm your host, Dan Saracini. In this episode, we'll focus on Dennis Potvan in the 1973-74 season, when he became the team's first award winner by taking home the Calder Trophy as NHL Rookie of the Year. Lighthouse Hockey is SB Nation's home for New York Islanders news and discussion. You can subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching Lighthouse Hockey in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or any podcasting app of your choice. Or you can listen right from our website at www.lighthousehockey.com. Please leave us a review on iTunes if you can, as it really does help raise our profile. And as always, thank you for listening. And now, on to Dennis Potvan, Calder Trophy, 1974. He's really carried the Islanders. He's a tough kid, not afraid to throw his weight around. He isn't fearful of gambling. He'll take risks, but most of the time they're worth it. The best thing is his passing. He can really lay the puck on a forward stick. He helps you get into scoring position, which is what a playmaker is supposed to do. Rangers defenseman Brad Park on rookie Islanders defenseman Dennis Potvan, 1974. The inaugural 72-73 New York Islanders were terrible. Absolutely terrible. They won an anemic 12 games, an NHL record low at the time, and gave up an astonishing 347 goals against, mainly due to games like this late-season one against the Flyers.
the Islanders fired their first coach halfway through the season and replaced him behind the bench with a scout who went back to his original position after the season was over. General Manager Bill Torrey joked often that the word hapless might as well have been part of the Woeful Club's official name. Bruins get breather against hapless Islanders. Canadians route hapless Islanders. Torrey said more than once, quote, I thought hapless was the only word in the English language, end quote. But through all that haplessness, Tory knew that help would be on the way. Available in the 1973 NHL Amateur Draft would be Ottawa-born Ottawa 67's defenseman Dennis Potvin, who had obliterated the OHL with 35 goals and 88 assists for 123 points, a league record as a blue liner. He also had 232 penalty minutes, all in just 61 games. Potvin was so good at such a young age that he started playing in junior at 14 years old against guys who were 18 or 19. After four years in the OHL, he admitted to growing bored and was just waiting for his inevitable chance to go pro. He was doing so at a good time. The World Hockey Association had gotten started in 1972, and teams were ready, willing, and able to poach top talent right from under the established NHL's nose. Potvin was in fact heavily scouted by WHA clubs and could have scored a huge money deal on the order of Bobby Hull when he jumped leagues. The Chicago Cougars held his rights, but Dennis had his eyes set on the NHL. Meanwhile, Torrey wasn't the only NHL GM with his eyes set on Potvin. Montreal Canadiens GM Sam Pollock had built a juggernaut that, at that point, had won six Stanley Cups since the late 60s. And he didn't do it by being generous. Pollock was ruthless in his pursuit of the best French-Canadian players. He sent the witless California Golden Seals a bunch of spare veterans for a first-round pick that he used to draft Guy Lafleur in 1972, and he was ready for an encore the next year. Unfortunately for Pollock, Tory wouldn't bite. He knew Potvin was his man, and no matter who or what Pollock offered him, he didn't budge. Pollock famously walked Tory around the Mount Royal Hotel in Montreal, where the draft was being held, and threw an array of deals at him, each one rejected by Tory. Even moments before Tory actually made his pick, Pollock was still trying to wiggle the selection out of him. But no dice. On May 15, 1973, Dennis Potvin was officially drafted first overall by the New York Islanders. And hey, don't worry about the Habs. Pollock drafted Bob Ganey eighth that year. Tory was so laser-focused on drafting Potvin that he actually started the process a few months early. On March 5, 1973, Tory traded forward Terry Crisp to the Philadelphia Flyers for defenseman John Potvin, who just happened to be Dennis's brother. John had spent three years in the NHL between the LA Kings, who had signed him as a free agent in 1969, and the Flyers, who had acquired him in a seven-player trade in 1972. John and Dennis, four years apart in age, had played together for only one year in junior for the 67s when Dennis was 14 and Jean was a year from turning pro. The close siblings yearned for another chance to be teammates and saw the Islanders as a unique opportunity. Dennis said at the time, quote, I think we can work well together. I play the left side and shoot left. Jean plays the right side and shoots right. Jean tells me that the organization is A+, and he seems to be very happy there, end quote. Dennis, of course, wasn't a kid anymore. He didn't play like one, and he sure as hell didn't look like one either. He was 5'11 and a solid 207 pounds, with a long handlebar mustache that Metallica's James Hetfield would be jealous of. 
he and the similarly shaggy Jean look like a couple of Wild West outlaws ready to saddle up for this weird-ass expansion team. But at 19, Dennis still had a lot to learn about the pro lifestyle and living on his own for the first time. His salary, $400,000 that season, or $2,564 a week, was an astronomical sum for a rookie. His first purchase as a pro was a brand new Mercedes-Benz 450 SL sports car, but he was reportedly provided an allowance from his family's lawyers. He also made some extra bucks thanks to a few early endorsement deals that he signed. One was for a soft drink company, and another was for laundry detergent. The detergent brand would hold contests for housewives, with winners earning the right to have the top pick in the 1972 NHL draft come to their house and actually do their laundry. And the already business-savvy Potvin didn't mind. Quote, it's really a very good deal. The Sterling rookie wasn't the only newcomer to the Islanders that season. Al Arbor had been a defensive defenseman in the NHL for 14 years and won three Stanley Cups with three different teams from the early 1950s to the early 1970s. He captained the expansion St. Louis Blues to three more cup finals and had two short stints with them as coach after Scotty Bowman was fired. In his second go-round, Arbor was fired by the Blues' short-sighted owners, who said he was, quote, a dutiful sergeant but would never be a general, and went on to do some scouting for the Atlanta Flames. When Torrey called, Arbor wasn't exactly itching to coach another expansion team, and his wife Claire wasn't too keen on the idea of moving to New York. But after Tory showed them the stark differences between the crowded, Rangers-controlled Manhattan and the quieter suburbs of Long Island, Al started to think that the gig wouldn't be so bad. On June 10, 1973, about a month after drafting Dennis Potvan, Al Arbor was officially introduced as the Islanders' new head coach. There's one more name to add to our cast of characters, and he didn't even play for the Islanders. Ever since he started in junior hockey, Dennis Potvin had been compared to Bobby Orr, the Bruins defenseman that had essentially changed how hockey was played from his debut in the late 60s. By 1973, Orr had won a Calder Trophy as Rookie of the Year, six Norris Trophies as Best Defenseman, three Hart Trophies as League MVP, two Stanley Cups, and was arguably the NHL's biggest star. Comparisons to Orr were common in articles and headlines about Potvin at the time of the draft and would continue throughout his rookie year. And while Potvin didn't seem annoyed by them, and I mean, why would he? He was quick to note the differences between the two and a desire to be his own man. Quote, I'm not Bobby Orr and I know it. You can't compare us anyway because our styles are different. I can't skate as well as Bobby, but I feel there are a couple of things I might do better. Like hitting. That's a big part of my game. I just hope I can accomplish some of the things Bobby has done, but in a different way. End quote. After the draft, Orr and Potvin had a chance to meet, and the conversation with the superstar had an impact on the kid that he would carry into his rookie year. Quote, We were sitting in his hotel suite in Montreal one night, waiting for room service to deliver steaks, when Bobby stopped the conversation and suddenly said to me, Dennis, I've never seen you play, but I've heard a lot about you. Do me a favor and do yourself a favor. When the season starts, just play hockey and forget all the baloney that goes with it. End quote. When we return, both the Islanders and their new star defensemen set out to prove to the NHL that they are for real.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Islanders began their second training camp at Peterborough, Ontario with a different feel. A light skate on the first day of camp lasted two and a half hours, and the scrimmage was 90 minutes. Veterans noted the changes between Arbor's practices and the previous regimes and were appreciative of the added structure. Potvan was already turning heads in scrimmages, and he was able to show off all of his skills in a preseason game against the Rangers at Nassau Coliseum. He scored twice in a 6-6 tie and laid huge hits on stars Walt Kachuk and Rod Gilbert that certainly got the Rangers' attention. Eight days later, the Islanders began their second season with another tie, this time a 1-1 draw against their expansion cousins, the Atlanta Flames. Although they didn't win, there was definitely something different about them and their defense earned praise from Flames coach Boom Boom Jeffreyon. The Islanders were to earn four ties and three losses before their first win of the season, but it was a significant one. A 3-2 decision over the Rangers on October 27, 1973 was the franchise's first regular season win in seven tries over their rivals and also featured Potvan's first two NHL goals. Two days after that momentous game, Dennis Potvan celebrated his 20th birthday. It was apparent right from the get-go that he wasn't in Kanata anymore, and that a lot of what he was able to do in juniors wasn't going to fly in the pros. Quote, In junior hockey, I could pretty much do what I wanted. I could skate all over the place and carry the puck all night without any great worry. If I do that here, I'll get killed. We'll win a lot of games this year by playing positional hockey, by thinking defense first and offense second. As a result, I have tempered my personal goals. In fact, my personal goals are the team's goals. Respectability, winning, a positive attitude. I'm trying to approach this year in a tactful way. I'll produce every game, but at the same time, I'll be learning. I hope people will be indulgent. End quote. He had already been drawing raves for his play and personality. Newsday columnist Marvin Kitman likened him to 60s teen heartthrob David Cassidy. Despite French being the primary language in his hometown, Potvin was bright and eloquent in English and introspective beyond his years. Quote, I am nervous, but nobody's a superman in the NHL. I must have something, or I wouldn't be here. End quote. That doesn't mean the sailing was smooth, though. First goal in a 1-1 draw with Minnesota bounced off of his foot and behind Islanders goalie Billy Smith. Potvin scored the winning goal in a 6-4 victory over the Bruins about a week later, after two mistakes of his own led directly to goals by Ken Hodge and, of course, Bobby Orr. 
His first fight came in a 1-1 tie in Pittsburgh four nights later against Penguins defenseman Brian Watson, who was no stranger to triple-digit penalty minute numbers. A few nights after that, Potvin scored in a 3-3 tie with the Leafs, the Islanders' fifth draw in their last five games and seventh of the season. While that might not sound like much, it represented a great deal of progress for the club. After gaining just 30 points in the entirety of their previous season, they had 11 points in 13 games this season, and their star rookie was leading the team with 10 points. While working to improve Potvin's defensive game, Arbor knew that offense, and taking chances offensively, was what made him so good. Quote, You don't put handcuffs on a player like Dennis. You encourage him to develop his entire game. You make him aware of his responsibilities, but also what he can do within the team's style. End quote. The chances he took could lead to goals, as well as miscues and gambles that didn't pay off. Potvin heard his first boos from the Nassau Coliseum crowd just 18 games into his career, when a, quote, goof-up led to a shorthanded goal against and a 5-3 win over the Red Wings. The very next game was in Detroit, and in a 6-4 loss to the Wings, both Potvans were caught up ice leading to another shorthanded goal against in a sequence Arbor called, quote, a disgrace. Despite the seven shorties, the Islanders had given up 30 less goals through 19 games than they had through the same point the previous season. And when Potvan scored his fifth goal of the season in a win over the Flames, the Isles had dragged themselves out of last place by one point, a significant achievement for their self-esteem. The feeling didn't last long. They lost their next five games, although Potvin did score a goal in his first game in Montreal on December 8, 1973. He had a dominating game against the Golden Seals a few nights later, netting a goal and three assists in a 6-3 win. So the team was losing with less regularity, and its prized rookie was playing to expectations. Everything was great. Until it wasn't. On December 16, 1973, the Islanders were scheduled to take a 10 a.m. bus from Nassau Coliseum to Philadelphia for a game that night against the Flyers. Most of the players arrived on time. One did not. Dennis Potvin. Arbor held the bus for six minutes. When Potvin didn't arrive, Arbor issued the order, Okay, bussy, let's go. And the bus took off without the team's leading scorer and best defenseman. Potvin had overslept. By the time he got to the Coliseum in that fancy Mercedes-Benz, the bus was gone. So what did he do? He went back to his apartment, the exact opposite of what he should have done. When Jean Potvin called Dennis from the team's motel in Philly, he made it very clear that his first course of action should have been to meet the team on his own. Arbor told Dennis he might as well stay home at that point, where he watched his teammates get crushed 4-0 by the flyer. When the team returned to Long Island, Potvin was fined $500 for his transgression. Turns out the Philly incident wasn't the only moment of tardiness he had had during his rookie season. Arbor put him through a tough drill session, and Bill Torrey suggested he apologize to his teammates. By this point, Potvin had been given a nickname, Baby Bear, but he was well-liked in the locker room. At the team's Christmas party, he was given the perfect gift, a shiny new alarm clock radio. The disciplining and publicizing of the incident did make an impression on him, and Arbor said so a few weeks later. Quote, He didn't want people to think he was irresponsible. To me, that was a good sign. He could have taken the other route, another outlook, and said the hell with the fine and the fans. That wouldn't be Dennis Potvin. He does care about the way he plays hockey and about what people think. He hasn't missed a team bus since. 
end quote. Potvin had a goal and an assist in a 4-4 tie with the Golden Seals on December 28th that pulled the Islanders again out of last place. As 1974 began, he scored a goal in a 3-2 win over Vancouver that lifted them above the Seals, Canucks, and Penguins in the league standings. And with a 4-3 win over the Flames on January 15th, the Islanders hit a very real milestone. They had earned 31 points, one more than they had in their entire first season. And it took a lot to get even that. The Islanders had found defensive stability, but they also weren't shy about getting their hands dirty either. And that includes their beloved Baby Bear, who took on working man Blackhawks winger Cliff Coral one night in January 1974. They both gave each other a little whack with the sticks before. Cliff Coral had a hit, Dennis. And Dennis answered it with a little stick in the face for Coral. The referee saw both of them, was calling them both, I'm sure, for slashing or high-sticking or something. Well, if you're scoring it by points, in the stand-up fighting, Danny Potvin got the best shot in a right-hand smash that flattened Coral, but Coral came back, and as they clinched, he put Danny out of his back. The Islanders were really feeling it at this point in the season, going unbeaten in four straight and gaining points in six of seven games. Potvin scored the tying goal in a 2-2 draw with Buffalo, silencing a home crowd that had been riding him after a couple of earlier defensive miscues. It was his 10th goal of the season. In their final game before the All-Star break, the Islanders beat Chicago for the first time in eight tries. Potvin had two assists in that one, including a key helper on Bob Nystrom's game-winning goal. After a win over California, Arbor broke the news to Potvin and Ed Westfall that they had been selected for the Eastern Division team at the 1974 NHL All-Star Game by coach Scotty Bowman. It was a huge honor for the 20-year-old rookie and somewhat of a surprise for the 33-year-old Islanders captain. It was also kind of a slap in the face of the Rangers as the venerable Original Six franchise was only sending one player, defenseman Brad Park, or at least that's how it was portrayed in the papers at the time. When a few All-Stars like Bobby Orr, Chill Perrault, and a trio of Canadians had to back out of the game due to injury, Bowman said Rangers GM Emil Francis refused to send any players other than Park. Francis then publicly accused Bowman of not picking Rangers in the first place just to embarrass them. None of this mattered to the Islanders, of course. In his first All-Star appearance, Potvan, who was paired on defense with Park, scored a goal against Blackhawks goalie Tony Esposito as the East lost to the West 6-4. Back to the center line and poke now. Into the west zone. Van F backhands it, trying to get it out of the zone. Can't do it. Pot Van and Clark collide. And the loose puck to McDonough. Out to center ice. Picked up by Lowell McDonald. McDonald moving it toward the far board. Drops it back in the right wing over the blue line. And McDonough, he's checked in the play and put into the near corner by Pot Van. And the loose puck picked up by Allman behind the west of the east net. Led to the near side. Picked up by Pot Van. Led out to center ice. Intended for Mahalovic. Broken up by Van F and Van F backhands it back into the east zone. Taken by Potvin to the far side and Brad Park. Led to center ice and Normie Ullman. Ullman's pass is intercepted, broken up by Pappen. The Potvin picked up by Park at the center line. Park over the Hawk blue line. Wanting to lead in the left wing. He does, giving him a Mahavlitz. Mahavlitz into the slot to Berenson and Berenson. Couldn't get his shot away. We have a penalty coming up against the West. Back in the NHL after the break, the Islanders earned a 2-2 tie in Vancouver. But that was only half the story. With a little less than half a period to play, and with his team trailing 2-1, a slap shot from Canucks defenseman Jocelyn Gavermont hit Dennis Potvin in the head, 
cracking his helmet and sending him to the ice, where he lay unconscious. Jean Potvin helped carry his brother off the ice into the trainer's room. Although the team diagnosed him with a, quote, possible concussion, Potvin insisted upon returning to the game. A spokesman said he grabbed a new helmet and went back out there, just in time to help the Islanders lock down the tie. Potvin played the next night in Oakland against the Golden Seals, too, and was lauded in Newsday for, quote, playing long enough and hard enough to earn himself a misconduct penalty, end quote. He would get hurt again and almost as seriously a few weeks later. With the Islanders losing three in a row, they went into St. Louis for a game against the Blues. Potvin blocked a shot by Bill Collins with his foot and sustained what he thought was a bruised instep. He finished the game and played two nights later against Chicago, despite having gone to the hospital to get x-rays. Turns out, it wasn't a bruise. It was a cracked navicular bone above his left ankle. And although there was much swelling and soreness and he had trouble walking, Podvan claimed it was easier to skate. So he kept on playing, including in a 5-3 win over the Canadians, the Islanders' first ever victory against Montreal. Another major change hit the Islanders around this time. Dennis Potvin shaved off his signature Fu Manchu mustache. Whether the baby bear nickname stuck around afterwards is not known. The now clean-shaven rookie scored a goal in a 1-1 tie with Vancouver, snapping a 14-game scoring drought. He had two goals and an assist in a back-to-back set with the Leafs, giving him 13 tallies on the year. Fortunately for the Islanders, the defeats were the first two of a 10-game losing streak that stretched from the end of February until the middle of March. That sunk them back into last place in the East, two points behind Vancouver, and second to last in the NHL. With the season winding down, Potvin had 13 goals and 29 assists for 42 points, tying him with winger Billy Harris for the team lead in scoring. The team eventually snapped the 10-game slump in style, beating the Blues 5-1. Potvin had a goal and two assists in the victory. And he wasn't done. He scored his 15th goal of the year in a 6-4 win over the Flames on March 24th, tying the record for goals by a rookie defenseman set by Montreal's Guy Lapointe. Potvin scored again in a 4-1 loss to Los Angeles to break the record. In the season finale, a 4-2 win over Minnesota, Potvin scored a goal and assisted on all three scores of Billy Harris's hat trick to give him 54 points, a new rookie record for defensemen. Vancouver's Jocelyn Gavermont had set the record with 51 in 1971-72. In his first season in the NHL, Dennis Potvin broke two league records, made the All-Star team, and led his team in scoring. He finished with 17 goals and 37 assists for 54 points. Billy Harris was second on the Islanders with 50 points on 23 goals and 27 assists. Oh, by the way, Bobby Orr, he had 13 goals and 28 assists in his rookie year. More importantly, the Islanders had made great strides in their second season. Although they missed the playoffs again, they had improved by 26 points over their inaugural campaign and shaved off 100 goals against. After their final game, the team celebrated their 56-point season with beers in the locker room. To their record-setting rookie defenseman, it might as well have been a championship season. Quote, I can't remember when I've been happier. Making the All-Star game was great but this is something else. Now I only have one other objective for this year, end quote. And on June 10th, 1974, Dennis Potvin accomplished that objective by being awarded the Calder Trophy as NHL Rookie of the Year. 
His 147 points from voters were 15 more than runner-up and second overall draft pick in 1973, Tom Lisiak of the Atlanta Flames. Podvin himself called the win a personal triple crown, with the All-Star game and scoring records being the first two legs. Rangers star defenseman Brad Park had other kind words for Podvin after he officially won the Calder, saying the youngster had had a better rookie season than he had had, despite the fact that Park had joined an established club. Park was at the awards show to accept the honor of being named a first-team All-Star and said, quote, Dennis will make this team in a year or two. When Potvan was told of Park's compliments, he had an idea for doing just that. Quote, maybe we can talk or into retiring. That wouldn't be necessary. A year later, in 1975, Dennis Potvan and Bobby Orr were named NHL first-team All-Stars together, the only time they would share that honor in their careers. Potvan would be the first Islander to win a major NHL award, the first of a series of Islanders Calder Trophy winners, and one of the most important figures in the franchise's history. His age was just a number. With Arbor guiding him, Potvan brought an infusion of maturity, professionalism, swagger, and talent to a team that desperately needed all of them. And he paved the way for a few more rookies to come along in the next few years and create the bedrock of one of the greatest teams the NHL had ever seen. Potvin's Calder Trophy season seemed like a good place to start this podcast series. Throughout the program, which will span this season and the next, we'll delve into the stories of other Islanders who took home individual hardware. We'll look at how they performed that season, how the team performed as a whole, who their competition was, and add as much context and surrounding color from the time as we can. Potvin will come up again, as will many of his Dynasty-era colleagues. We'll also shine a light on some award winners from other periods in Islanders history, reminding us that even in less heralded times, this team has had a lot of really good players. I hope you'll enjoy taking the ride. This will be a little different than most sports podcasts, but if you're already familiar with the New York Islanders and us at Lighthouse Hockey in particular, you'll know that different is kind of what we do. So let's take a look back and have some fun. Islanders Award Winners is written, produced, and edited by Dan Saracini. Research and other assistance provided by Kevin Schultz. You can read more about Long Island hockey history at Kevin's project, lihockeyhistory.com, or at its Twitter account, at lihockeyhistory. Check out lighthousehockey.com every day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion, and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a thing. Thanks for listening. See you next time.